Hello, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Nada Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this podcast. And today, in this episode, we talk to Dr. Natasha Tyler, who is a research fellow, and Dr. Maria Panagiotti, who is a senior lecturer, both of whom work at the Centre for Primary Care and Health Services Research at the University of Manchester. And today we're going to discuss the recent paper published in the BJGP, which is titled Patient Safety, Self-Injection and B12 Deficiency, a UK Cross-Sectional Study. Now, B12 deficiency can sometimes be a tricky one in general practice, with a spectrum of sometimes non-specific symptoms ranging to much more serious neurological involvement. And I'm going to start off by asking Natasha what the drive was behind conducting this research. So my um, background's in patient safety research, and I do a lot of work on sort of patient-reported outcomes, um, patient-reported measures of safety and um, patient safety in primary care primarily. And um, I've got a sort of family history of B12 deficiency, and I've got B12 deficiency, so I'm involved um, in this sort of field of work from a personal perspective. So I attend lots of conferences and keep in touch with research and things like that. Um, and I just noticed that there was sort of a gap in the literature to assess um, patient safety, patient reported safety in primary care and um, how patients with B12 deficiency experience that thing. So tell me a bit more about what you did around this research. Okay, so we did a cross-sectional survey with 197 patients with um, B12 deficiency or pernicious anemia um, and we recruited them from social media groups. And then we used a validated measure of safety in primary care, um, like a patient-reported measure of safety. Um, and we're looking to see um, the association between patient-reported safety in primary care and self-medication and people with B12 deficiency. Um, we also did some open-ended questions in terms of how people found um, side effects of self-medication and the COVID-19 pandemic because we conducted it in 2020. So that was sort of what everyone was thinking about at the time. Hmm. And and why the focus on patient safety specifically? What 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 drove that interest? Well, and it is a major issue as well about uh, whether people are able to trust their their, their GPs and uh, and uh, get proper prescriptions or they um, self medicate and self inject in uh, in the community. This this is an um, an important uh, safety issue for both the, the patients. And also, it has implications also about providers. Tell me a bit more about what you found in this research. Um, so we found that four in ten people with um, B12 deficiency or pernicious anemia self-injected, um, and they had lower than average perceptions of safety in primary care. Um, and the people who perceived primary care as less, less safe or felt like they weren't de- treated with dignity and respect or involved in decisions were more likely to self-inject um, than people who had higher perceptions of safety in primary care. Um, we also found that middle-aged and older participants were more likely to self-inject compared with younger participants. Um, and the two most common reasons why people chose to self-inject were to improve the quality of life and because of dissatisfaction of current treatment frequency. Okay, again, so I'm interested in this interplay between B12 deficiency and steps people might be taking to self-treat and patient safety. So why do you think that people who had lower perceived levels of safety uh, were more likely to, to self-inject? Um, so safety in sort of hospitals is normally characterised by risk and medication errors and um, 
lots of different factors really but safety in primary care is more associated with um sort of interpersonal relationships of gps and things like communication and dignity and respect it's less driven by the um markers that we'd usually use in secondary care um so when we're looking at patient safety the questionnaire that we were using was assessing things like um communication feeling listened to and uh, feeling involved in decisions so we're looking at safety from a much more broader perspective in terms of contributory factors to safety um, and just from being involved in um, patient discussion groups, I felt that a lot of patients were describing these sort of things. Um, so that was my driver for using a patient reporting measure of safety and primary care. Okay. So from this research, did you think that um, there's an issue about communication around B12 deficiency in primary care, um, linking back to that, um, what we were talking about, patient safety and how it's measured in primary care settings? I think from qualitative data, people felt like they weren't listened to. I think, um, I haven't got the exact figure to hand, but around, I think around 50% of patients felt like they weren't listened to by primary care professionals and they didn't feel involved in decision-making. So I think for most, a good proportion of the sample didn't feel like they were listened to and didn't feel like um, they were involved in decisions and they felt like they were being treated on a symptom, uh, not on a symptom level, but primarily by the markers, the biomarkers, really. Um, and there's a lot of dissatisfaction around um, feeling uninvolved in them care decisions and not feeling like they're getting patient-centred um, care. And I feel like that's why a lot of people then make that decision to self-inject because they don't feel that they feel like there's not much trust with primary care um, professionals. So there's a lot of literature already um, existing out there, sort of qualitative interviews and stuff where the same things are being reported. People are reporting battles um, to be heard and feeling like they're not involved in decisions. And I totally agree with with Natasha, and um, and based on the data as well as our explanation of the data, looks like this is a major communication and trust issue, and it's also a particularly trust issue between uh, uh, between patients with B12 deficiency and um, primary care practitioners. It has also to do with stigma and attitudes, because this condition remains uh, stigmatized, and people feel. Um, I mean, they don't feel uh, confident to talk about it and um, and uh, discuss it more openly and in a more, uh, let's say, collaborative relationship with um, their providers. Okay. <clears throat> I know some people listening might be interested in a, a bit about the distinction between between B12 deficiency as uh, a condition versus B12 deficiency as a blood result. Do you have anything to say about uh potential uh, people who might potentially ask about over testing for b12 or making a distinction between a condition and a blood test result yeah so i think from a patient's perspective from lots of the qualitative data they were concerned about the accuracy of the blood test results and the discrepancies regionally in terms of what the cutoff levels are with lab tests and um things like that so i think um yeah from a from a patient perspective, that's one of their major concerns. So we ran some workshops as well in a previous paper with patients and um, their major concerns were about an over-reliance on the testing as opposed to symptom-based treatment. Um, I guess, yeah, from a sort of practitioner's perspective, um, quite hard to distinguish as well, especially with vegan and vegetarian diets on the increase and then obviously the different, re- the different reasons why people might have B12 deficiencies. There was obviously... Um, autoimmune causes for it, like pernicious anemia. And, um, a lot of them patients in our um, study felt like they weren't necessarily 
um, affected as much by um, the things that the people who just had a B12 deficiency without a known cause were affected by. But then a lot of people with B12 deficiency um, don't necessarily know the cause. They would just start the treatment as soon as they've got their um, test results. Were you surprised to find this level of self-treatment or self-injection? I personally wasn't because I'm a member of the um, the groups as a patient. So I, I saw a significant amount of people doing it. So I, I wasn't surprised at all. In fact, I perhaps thought it might be higher, um, four in 10. But I guess a lot of people who aren't involved in them groups will perhaps find the numbers um, much higher than expected. Mm-hmm. And... Do you have anything uh, or any thoughts about the patient safety aspects of people who are self-injecting with B12? Um, I think the, the study found that most people um, from the qualitative data didn't necessarily want to self-inject, but they felt like they didn't have a choice to have the discussions with uh, primary care practitioners to increase the frequency of the injections. Or um, a lot of people at the time that we were doing this had injections stopped due to COVID, so there was a higher amount of people self-injecting with the study now or a few months before COVID. Um, but from yeah, from a patient safety perspective, there's lots of um, obviously concerns and risks associated with self-injection and with not um, informing a healthcare professional that you're doing it. Okay. Any other key findings that you wanted to highlight from the study? I think these were the main, uh, the main findings really around... Um, uh, about the links between patient safety and particularly um, self-reported trust and dignity and um, uh, association with um, self-medication by injection. And I think we got also some data about the different ages who actually, uh, they were mostly um, middle-aged people who, who, who had um, uh, who had stronger links between um, self-injection and um, um, and perceptions of safety, and that's also important. Mm, okay. And I was interested to see in the paper that almost half of those who self-medicated didn't talk to their GPs about it as well. And do you have any sense of why this happened? Only anecdotally, I think from from being involved in the patient discussion groups, there's a lot of um, advice out there to not tell your GP because then the uh, medication might stop what you get from the GP. It seems that there may be some issues around communication, around B12, around uh, self-medication, around self-injection even of B12 amongst certain patients. Given your findings, do you have any messages that you want to give to GPs as a result of this research? Um, I think the main implications are um, there's a major need to develop or improve um, a universal nationwide diagnosis and treatment pathway or policies for vitamin B12 deficiency and that if there was a universal policy it could reduce regional treatment dis- discrepancies um, and help improve the relationships of patients with their GPs and reduce unguided self-medication um, and efforts to reduce the perceived stigma associated with the condition and obviously the condition is characterised by um, vague symptoms that can be sort of attributed to lots of things can't they? Um, and encouraging clinicians to practice patient-centered care and driven by uh, care driven by symptom recognition as opposed to reliance on testing, which could increase patients. Maria, anything you'd like to add to that? No, I, I thought this was an exciting piece of work because it is uh, the first of its kind in the in the UK and highlights the uh, the importance of um, looking at the, the the care needs of these um, 
uh, of this population group of people with uh, B12 deficiency. And um, basically we encourage uh, more, more research in this area and more in the policy interest in improving um, care guidelines for, uh, for people with uh, B12 deficiency. Okay, great. So a call for more research. So if you were to set up a study following on from this, are there any specific areas that you feel need further clarification specifically around around this area? I think in terms of policy, there's a um, drive in the literature now with an increasing number of GPs and patients advocating changes to policy and practice that enable self-management of the disorder. And there's quite a drive there um, through the patient population as well for all um, them to have more control over their management of the um, condition. Hmm. And is the UK different than other countries in terms of accessibility of self-medication or self-injections? Yeah, so in um, lots of European countries and lots of um, countries worldwide, people are able to self-inject. Um, they can get a prescription from over the counter on the pharmacy for um, the, B12 the B12 injections. So um, it's quite different to lots of other countries. Mm, okay, so maybe some comparative research looking at how different countries manage this and how uh, patient perceptions are in, in different countries. Okay, great. And that's a good note to end on. All that remains is for me to say thank you to both Natasha and Maria for taking part today. And thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research article looking at B12 patient safety and self-injection can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com do share if you've enjoyed it the podcast is available in all the usual places from your podcast of choice thanks again and bye